Hey, Brobots, Brandon here. This is part two of our season three recap with Jeremy Bent. Make sure to go back and listen to that if you haven't already, since that's how multi-part episodes work. So, enjoy! It is a period of civil discourse. Fans of the Mission to Zix podcast have banded together to devote even more time to the Mission to Zix podcast by talking about it in a long-format fan podcast. This is the Zix Fancast. So next episode, uh, episode fourteen, Kitty's Pancake House, <laughs> mm. uh, featuring Elena Doe. Yes, and so uh, yes. El- Elena is actually the wife of Riley Soliner oh. from earlier in the season, um, okay. and That's is another person we've known for like over a decade in New York. Um, and so they got married ooh, a couple years ago, I think. And she, like Riley, is also a huge fan of the show. Hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, which I think awesome. is how I sort of lucked into having all these C fifty three centric episodes this season, <laughs> uh, because uh, John Fernandez was like, "Oh, it'd be cool if C fifty three used to be my co pilot," and uh, Elena was like, "Oh, what if I play like a sort of liberated droid and C fifty three can and I can like talk about what that means?" It was like, "Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm on board for all these ideas." <laughs> <laughs> Look, however it works. Yeah. It must be so much more fun to play with people that already have an idea of the sort of the universe you're in. It really did help. Like that was another episode that like that episode came together pretty easily because like it's such a funny idea and also as soon as we got into the Mujan playing all the enforcer droids who mm. were just making various street foods. That uh, yeah, it was uh, really it was just very very fun. Also, the fact that they're like not actually, you know, getting into their past. They're just like, nope, ignored. Nope, I'll make a taco, and that's fine. Do not think about the hundreds of people I have killed. Yeah, <laughs> which we were like, oh, that sort of sounds like what you do when you go through something awful. You're like, yep. I'm making a sandwich, and everything's fine. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And then when you have to deal with it, it's like, oh, it can be tough. I lo- and I love the turn to be like, wow, you did this to all these droids. And it's like, wow, this is really irresponsible. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, you shouldn't have done this. You should thought of thought harder about this <laughs> before you did that. <laughs> but yeah, just a quick little, you know, synopsis is that, you know, uh, <laughs> they uh, find out from the emperor that, you know, these all these droids are missing that he sends to a planet. And he thinks it's them. So, of course, they go there to see, oh, what's been killing all these droids or whatever. And <laughs> and it's and it's not us, but then we end up killing a lot of droids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just based on you know confronting your problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they meet Oak Tree, who helps uh, C hack his root code. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, again, that's a that's a that's a very 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 subtle. Um, uh, if you so like oak tree is you know zero four k t backwards mm. r three three yes um and she says she sort of learned to program herself by watching flicks dunker 
uh, Flick Stunker's videos, and it's and oh, she, she says yeah. like he's sort of like the coolest guy in the galaxy, and it's oh, yeah. her talking about her own husband, and it's very sweet. Oh, that that's oh. great with that context. Yeah. That's a that's a little behind the scenes. Oh, also that that does put an image in in my head of like basically flicks on like Twitch or something like that. Like yeah, which I think is where he would where he would be. You know. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It just feels right. I had wondered if it was a reference to Acorn Computers. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think we have Acorn Computers over here. Oh, okay. They were ancient from like the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, okay. <laughs> we had like... My my brother is a computer programmer, uh, and we started very early on the Commodore 64. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. But we did not... We never had the Acorn the uh, computers um, we had at school when i was a child oh <laughs> uh, i see we had uh, computers at school when i was a kid we had like the apple 2e you know which is maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little flash you know <laughs> but uh yeah a lot of a lot of very i'm sort of similar to the computer i described earlier for the missionator of just like mm-hmm. one screen green keyboard integrated into the monitor you know mm-hmm. anyway Mm, definitely 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 um i love that it's aj that accidentally triggers all the enforcer droids to relive oh. their suppressed murder of memories and start killing each other <laughs> that like, that was an episode where we were like the whole time we we're like oh boy how are we gonna like how is this gonna go south like and we sort of couldn't figure it out um and then I think Allie was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. What if I get the helmet? And we put the helmet back on AJ and he's like, lock and load. And and then they're like, ah, oh, yeah. And we got like, so like, we got so excited of like, that's the perfect sort of way out of all yeah. of this. Um, of course, AJ jokes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the true, the biggest truism about any six episode is like, well, someone's got to juck it up. Yeah, Some, and someone's like, gonna pleck it up. Yeah, yeah hum, somebody has to do it. And like every once in a while, it's C fifty three. But it was just like, what? <laughs> so like, how do we escape this episode? And the answer was like, oh great, blow up all the enforcer droids. <laughs> all the enforcer droids like rage kill each other. <laughs> oh. It's like, yep. If you don't think about it too hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I am. I I lobbied hard for like we can't have because like you meet that one enforcer droid kitty who yeah. sort of has her own personality and we're like i was like we can't kill kitty it's too cold it's <laughs> it just feels horrible and so i'm glad not only did she get away uh she helps us out in the finale mm, she yeah just jump too far ahead but, uh, yeah 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 but yeah, although she does blow up with the never mind <laughs> no no we have her cube it's okay that's oh right. okay that's fine my All one right. question is did you have any idea at this point what you wanted to do with the, the potential for that hacked code or was it just sort of like a, a narrative thing to jump off on later? yeah that that at that point we were like well that's something we can use in the finale somehow but i we, i don't think we were sure how we uh, would use it yet yeah uh we weren't uh we were like that's a that's a little thing we can grab onto but we're not quite sure what we'll do with it yet okay uh, episode 15 scatting in the shower with uh frank garcia hell uh Nermit <laughs> sends them on a diplomatic mission that's actually a surprise baby shower for dar uh their whole family is there including dar's parent dad <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Nermit was hiding. Truly one of the dumbest jokes we've ever made on the show. <laughs> no, I actually, I really enjoyed this. Actually, it's very so, on brand. It's yeah. extremely on brand, but it is like so, this is extremely stupid. Because we already we already established that Dar said, "Oh, I have a mob and dad," which I guess then it implies that Dar had a missions operation manager. And uh, yeah, maybe. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So Nermit was hiding inside a cake with his keyboard for an extra surprise. After which point, it finally comes out that Nermit isn't the father, as Dar's species procreates through parthenogenesis. Oh, and Nermit just getting crushed. Oh, oh, oh gosh, <laughs> and crawling back in that cake broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any yeah. anytime Nermit sings a really heartfelt song, I just think it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's unknowably like, sad. <laughs> they're just so they're way too personal, and they're so sad. Mm, yeah. Definitely TMI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because we just like, oh yeah, of course this is how this works for Dar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. N- nothing surprising there. Like it's just like the simplest solution. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just Darth and a Genesis, you know? Hmm, there it is. Mm, oh, there it is. Oh, we <laughs> truly missed that one. But <laughs> but uh, the uh, couple of things that Dar had crooked chest talons as a kid. Like, uh, just like little embarrassing stories about Dar. We never get tired of pointing out that, like, Dar was very obviously not cool. <laughs> like Dar as a teenager like a nerd. was yeah. as as nerdy as any person like <laughs> as any sentient in the galaxy. Um exceptionally good backstory. Yeah, it just feels sort of right for that character. That makes sense. <laughs> like and also Dar like tries to be super tough like almost as like a um what am I trying to say? <laughs> to like overly specifically no i'm i prove i'm tough yeah <laughs> yeah yeah as sort of an overcompensating kind of measure yeah got something to prove mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the um who who came up with the idea for like the parthenogenesis thing was that like i think was that, that was frank me. i think was that you? was me actually mm-hmm. um partially because i enjoy the word parthenogenesis but uh you learned that it, from jurassic park didn't you I think I actually that word <laughs> stuck in my head from the Mass Effect series. Oh, oh yeah, because uh, the first one had that like codex of like when you learned you'd go over here and like it was all audio files and you you, but the first one in the codex was always the Asari mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. they start with A, and so every time you clicked over to the co- I played it on PC, and every time you clicked over to the codex, it would be like the Asari reproduced through a limited form of parthenogenesis, and like I heard that phrase probably like nine dozen times while I played Mass Effect, uh, and like it just stuck in my head, and burned I was like, into your brain, yeah, and I was like, oh, that's how they did it, right? It's like, yeah, that that's so that's like how Dar species would reproduce, and so that's why they all look identical and have very similar. <laughs> Uh, but all different voices <laughs> all different voices that's true i will say not to, not to get too far ahead but does that mean that uh horse hat is just a baby forever uh no <laughs> Be- because even within that episode horse hat grows to full size mm. yeah no i meant like has a baby's voice oh we that's haven't true. thought that out but 
anyway no that that's not, i think that's too weird <laughs> <laughs> i think that is a little too weird don't go but to yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fine all right <laughs> anyways sorry <laughs> yeah not no to... we haven't we haven't discussed who is going to voice horsat as horsat grows up mm. so we Mm. Well, something we're gonna is that going to gonna be Winston's out. next character? Yeah, we don't know. Well, I mean, AJ <laughs> lived the spoiler, lived through the finale, so I think yeah. probably not. <laughs> uh, I mean, literally, like it is set up. It could be literally anyone's voice. Like, <laughs> yeah, you could do it. I mean, you know, no, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out, but I don't know. Well, you right. said that um, C-53 didn't get tossed by Dad when everyone else got a go. A little bit, but <laughs> I have been tossed by Frank Hale personally, so that's fine. <laughs> Frank is a... Uh, I improvised with Frank in New York on the same team for like six-ish years before he moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And he's just like one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, so we were so psyched to get him. And he didn't really know the show, but we were like, we kind of need someone to play a go- like a goofy dad, or we kind of need someone to play Dar's dad. And he's like, I can play just like a goofy suburban dad. And we're like, that honestly would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Makes so much sense. Like, and it, yeah, in many ways, it's like, oh yeah, of course she had this really warm and loving, like total goofball of a dad. <laughs> I mean, like, for such imposing creatures, it does seem to be, like, they're all just, like, goof around, having a fun time, murdering each other, you know? Yeah, yeah tackling each other and <laughs> having a great time. <laughs> but, yeah, the, uh, I guess we move on to the next episode. Uh, E16, right. Shea Barge, <laughs> featuring uh, Don Finelli. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, uh, it transpires that neither Pleck nor C-53 were working on a plan to take down the Emperor, each assuming the other was. <laughs> Nermit sends them on a mission to the back room of a restaurant, Chez Barger, where they're going to pick up a microchip. Uh, they meet the head chef, Graydon. Uh, Dar bumps into Becca in the restroom, hey. <laughs> who has the microchip. Uh, Dar accidentally eats the Barge Boucher's. Which dramatically speeds up their gestation. Yes, yes. Oh, oh boy. Uh, Becca breaks the microchip. Thanks, Becca. Oh, because sorry. the son told him to. <laughs> but turns out he lost a copy on, or lost a co- or left a copy on Bargy anyway. So, uh, uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. I don't know, the, go chi- ahead. the chip either has an encrypted or degraded message. Um, yes, so that. I thought this was going to be one of those things that were going to be left to us to like sort of dig through and figure out. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It was another, just wait a couple weeks. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, um, this is where, so we were starting to get to the point here where it's like, okay, well now we're starting to plan out the finale and figure out like, all right, well, what do we actually want to have happen in the finale? And like, what sort of stuff can we set up? And so the microchip was sort of part of that of like, well, let's maybe start leaving some ways in to season four for ourselves. Um, also, like I when I so like Becca, the character originally shows up <laughs> in episode four with Zach Broussard as a zip rider. Uh, mm. And 
I I just voiced that character, and I thought that character would never ever come back. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so like, uh, just like weird. Made such an impact. Yeah, weirdly stoic, and like Dar's fascination uh, with Becca is so funny. So they were like, "What if Becca's in the restaurant?" And I was like, "Okay," but <laughs> I was sort of like, "I don't know anything about this character other than that she's constantly bleeding." <laughs> uh. But I like I'm I'm glad to learn that that Becca is on is anti Emperor because mm. she's such a fun character. I'm glad uh, <laughs> I'm glad we learned she's on the side of of the rebellion. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't do me dirty there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Also, we were like, well, this is also like we were like we know Becca. We want to make sure it's a character that uh, <laughs> that she's not going to be like, oh, you made me like a trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, if you ever put a Brandon in and he's not evil, I'll be very disappointed. Okay, good to know. Good to know. We'll reserve that for for the future. Uh, this is also another little uh, married guest update. Uh, Don Finelli is the husband of Laura Wilcox, uh, mm-hmm. who in season two uh, gets everyone set up for Dependence Day. Yes. Ah. Um, I'm blanking on that character's name right now, but uh, Taxis is that character's name. Yes, Um, Taxis. And Laura and I also used to be on an improv team with Frank. Um, But Don is like a guy we were all, you know. I'll be honest, like a lot of the people on the show are people we have known for like a decade plus in the improv community, (laughs) Uh, mainly because we know that they're really funny. Well, I mean, what I'm hearing is that you, there's a huge problem with nepotism in this podcast. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think that really is what we're learning is, you know, podcast classically. You know, there's no way to get involved if you haven't been doing improv what? in New York City for a decade. Why don't you get open up to democratically elected podcasts? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I know, very, it's shameful, really. What are we, the God Does a Beard Party? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in many ways, yes. Do we need to point out the fact that you gave the Midnight Shadow the stealth party song? <laughs> yeah, that was a. I can't remember who suggested that, but Shane was like, "Already got it. It's already ready to go." <laughs> like, something about that. Those party. The party pelvis really made an impression on people. So like, all right. So obviously, the Midnight Shadow had his own sort of remix. Oh boy! It does beg the question: Does every single C unit have a different song. <laughs> I think that is the implication, which means like, wow, we really got to write a lot of those songs. I think the, every frame, yeah. I don't know that we ever got to see the young ambassador frame do it, but I think oh, frame Shane had a version of that song that was fresh patties. <laughs> uh, That's but, so but good. It never, it never came up, which is a shame because that was a pretty good joke. <laughs> that is excellent. So apparently, this is pointed out to me, um, but apparently Flix Dunker is actually Centurion Tittle? Is that true? Yeah, it was is in that the ad true? Break. Becca, yeah. confirm. Yeah. yeah, in the ad break, he's doing his little Dear Diary thing and he signs it as Centurion Tittle. Yeah, I did not catch that. Uh, yeah, I, I've. Oh boy. We got we got to dig into this. I'll have to go back and listen. I, I must have missed that. Mm. I mean, that, I mean, <laughs> it's okay. I, I originally thought he was the the like emperor's son. Yeah, I, I thought mean, that made more sense. But anyway, during the episode, it was 
it was a little vague because you know they, they said he had like um you know the flyboy jacket that his dad gave him and yeah yeah. yeah I guess he could be like Hark Tardigas. <laughs> That's possible. No. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest when I say like I do not remember that part. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll dig into it. We'll dig it. I'm ninety percent certain that's what he said. But <laughs> it, Becca, you're probably right. I just have, I'm like, is it? I don't know. I also did not. This is not one of the episodes I edited, and it's like if I had listened to it a bunch of times, I'm sure I would have a very strong opinion about it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess. I'm guess I'm liking myself now. I'm gonna have to go back and listen. <laughs> I would trust your opinion over mine when it comes to our continuity because it's very easy to get be like listen to the episode and be like, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. But then a lot of times, stuff we recorded doesn't make it into the episode, and I'll be like, all oh, right, oh, that like doesn't exist. Like the fact with Dar being purple. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a lot of stuff we think we've said that we that hasn't ever actually been mentioned. Mm. So, <laughs> mm. okay, um, episode seventeen: Retreat yourself with uh, Jackie Jennings. Mm, yes. Both the crew wake up to find themselves inside Cheryl, who's Bargy's best friendship, as Bargy has to sort some things out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Mermit sends them on a mission to a retreat that's being run by one of the dissident Angelinas. But it's okay, it's definitely not a scam cult. <laughs> no, uh, very ends- obviously not. Mm-mm-mm-mm. She ends up actually giving them a real prophecy about how the worst is yet to come and to be strong when they face the Emperor. Because that's helpful. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like, great. No, we, that's very useful. I will um, say, huh. I, the midnight, oh, go ahead. I just. Uh, sent a message to the Zix group me about this uh, because mid episode we go like me see and Plek go get drinks uh, mm-hmm. that are all these weird conceptual things the, mixed the together mocktails, yeah. the mocktails yes. and the first one Mujan offers up uh, is she's like what about a jungle bird <laughs> and on my Facebook page yesterday some liquor company is like make yourself a jungle bird and like it's a what? recipe and we, i was like oh it was very weird wow also we need to make all those drinks i i'll be honest their description of the jungle bird sounds pretty good okay <laughs> we'll do that for the next pizza party yeah <laughs> around a, a jungle birds all around i think we came up with some mixed drinks for each uh each crew member Mm. I think we had a hyper proton fuel. Oh boy! <laughs> anyway, almost we'll guaranteed hangover. Yeah, mm. I think that might have involved a fireball whiskey. Was it? Oh boy! <laughs> no, I think it was Dars, right? Oh, it could be. Yeah. Oh, that's that's her uh, that's her hot time of the month. Uh, <laughs> fireball. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Anyway, mm. um, did you have real here. questions about this? No. Episode? <laughs> anyway, Sorry, yeah. Yes. Well, I want to point out the Midnight Shadow is floaties, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so good. They, everyone was just like, we got to get C-53 in the water because he loves the water so much. And I was like, there's actually a lot of logistical problems with just throwing a <laughs> robot into a pool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and indeed, this pool does come back to haunt him just a little bit. Yeah. And there's something in the episode that's like, the Emperor has many faces. Yes, it's but, part of uh, the prophecy. Yeah, mm-hmm. what what do you think that means? Reveals details to us now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, it do, it does come up in the finale. Oh, do, oh, I guess it. Do, damn it. Yep. It yeah. Does. Right. As like 
because he's he's secretly been watching the trial the whole time. Ooh. Oh, I see. Uh, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. How did oh Phenom a... Pennyworth? Phenom Pennyworth. That's a dumb for not catching that now. <laughs> no, no. I don't think there's any way. <laughs> I mean, let's see that one. <laughs> if we're if we're the the most on top of this, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you're more on top of it than we are, so. We can't move on to the next episode before we point out that we learned Plex's full name. Oh, God, yes. This is one of the moments we truly, like, we're like, okay, she's going to say your full name. And we spent, like, a solid five minutes out of character just being like, what should this idiot's name be? (laughs) And we ultimately, it's like, well, it's Alden's character, so he should decide. But like when he said Plexthaniel, we were all like, oh my god, yes, <laughs> you uh. spelt with a U. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Oof, oof, oof. <laughs> P-U-D. That's his initials. Oh, it is, oh, isn't it? <laughs> oh boy. Yep. Okay, Anyways, uh, episode eighteen, Malice and Chains. With Brennan Lee Mulligan. This is a rad episode. This oh, is this so episode good. was very fun to record. Um, Brennan, so I was in. Uh, Brennan is sort of now known as a celebrity dungeon master. <laughs> yeah, oh my to some, goodness. To yeah, some extent, funny. like he does a lot of stuff for College Humor and their channel Dropout TV, doing like dungeon mastering games for them. But I was in a Dungeons and Dragons game that he ran. Uh, before he moved out to Los Angeles, that was one of the most fun games I've ever been involved in. I can imagine. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm very jealous. It's just a real treat. Good DMs, man. Like they the really, best. they really put in. Yeah. We've got a DM right now that has like he he basically his world. He's been taking it from like edition to edition of D anD D, and wow. just like updates. And he's got like, he has printouts of what NPCs look like. Good like, yeah, that's... he's got maps, language trees. It's above <sighs> and beyond. Yeah, like, ooh, he like it's it's extremely impressive, and it makes me be like, well, now none of us can run a side campaign here because we're just <laughs> gonna be like, yeah, hey, you fight a goblin. <laughs> yeah, there's a cave. <laughs> uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Tin Feasel. <laughs> That does that sounds like a Zix name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like yeah, that's that's kind of how uh, mine's more of an improv and his is more of like I, I run a yeah, I run a campaign it more like that would be better. Okay, that's in it now. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. So, so uh, we start the episode with uh, C53 trying to decrypt that message and has been altering his root code further. Uh, Lexamar Quench is trying to get Bargy to incriminate herself. Uh, Nermud realised that most of the old scrolls are all written by someone called Paul Bailroar. And there's a map on the back of one of them that leads to uh, Muflata Secundus. Uh, they get there to find a lava planet with la- lava crows and a scary <laughs> castle. <laughs> they meet Paul Bailroar, aka Kaj Malice, who tries to lure Plek over to the wax side. At which point the Dinglehopper finally glows when Plek is using it. He is briefly <laughs> tempted over to the wax side before the crew literally slap him back to his senses. <laughs> Bargy says something incriminating and the police are coming to arrest her. At which point Dar's sand breaks and C-53 breaks down. 
<laughs> max max drama for the cliffhanger. Yep. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, I think the the prize for the best episode title goes to this one. <laughs> I, I this really is one of our better ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Who comes I mean, up with the names? Usually, it's uh, like Seth and Alden will bounce ideas off of each other because uh, they're the ones who upload the episode to uh, okay. the various podcasting networks. Um, but every once in a while they will throw it out to the rest of us of like, we're really stuck on this one. But I think usually if they find something like early on, they're like, great. Malice and chains. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crushed it. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I remember Alan resurrection was one of my favorite season two. That's like, another very yeah. solid title. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So sometimes it just really strikes me with like, that's really good. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, um, interesting thing we learn is that Dar doesn't know which shoot that the baby's going to come out of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like could be anything. Just a mystery. Yep. And uh, in the ad, the the little wooden boy, oh, <laughs> whose prophecy is being letting his wide-eyed innocence lead him into danger. Mm. Oh God. <laughs> um, and I, I do so it. sad. Oh yeah, and uh, core bail vo- the fact that like AJ is so into this name. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, we told, we asked, uh, Brennan specifically of like, Hey, are you willing to be this like evil sort of Sith character? And like, that is so deep into Brennan's wheelhouse. It, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> there's a, and, there's like a DM thing. I'm sure that I've noticed that like you, you, people who could be really delightfully evil are <laughs> the best DMs. Yeah. And he, he just like knocked this one out of the park. Uh, but i also love that like sort of everything about this character is is like you know (laughs) such like edgelord bullshit yes right which i i love that that's kind of where the wax sparks nights landed like which yeah oh that we were on a lava planet and he's all chained up in this castle lava crows and And it's like geez louise it's like could it (laughs) be a little extra huh yeah, it's like, could it be any more obvious that this guy is a bad guy? It's just very funny to me. <laughs> I also enjoy that the crows don't ever die. They just get more <laughs> they annoying. They just get more annoying. <laughs> oh, boy. Is so there funny. one where it's like, they, someone, one of them talks about a podcast or something like that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think Seth at one point is just saying, like and subscribe! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and like they talk oh. about their screenplays and their multi-level marketing campaigns mm. and it's very <laughs> it's just all the most <laughs> annoying things in one place I mean like also I, I really enjoy like the moment where it's just like oh and I lost my dingle hopper oh you mean this whoa that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> that's so well to be like what are the chances <laughs> it's not like whoa it's destiny it's like whoa that's neat <laughs> He, I love that uh, Cor Belvoir, for the most part, exists in this very sort of like uh, Darth Vader Emperor type voice range, and then every once in a while, I was like, "Wow, that's super nuts!" And, like, and what that's that is, bananas. like that's that's pure Brennan Lee Mulligan coming through. It's so funny. And just keep the same filter. It's just like, oh, cool, like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a very fun episode to record. But we had we had a real a real hoot, as Brennan would say, recording that one. 
What do you think would have happened if Plek had just gone over to the Wex? <laughs> it, well, it's also worth thinking of, like, if Plek becomes uh, whack, it's like, Plek is not that good of a Zima. That's <laughs> true. So my <laughs> guess is he's probably not that good of a Sparks Knight either. <laughs> he, yeah. So, I don't know. Dinglehopper did light up when he was going to the Wax, though. True. That's true. That, that does true. imply he's a better whack, you know user than a fresh user. Well, but isn't that isn't that the uh, attraction of the dark side? It promises power. Oh, uh, yeah. True. Quickly, true. but, mm. uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not, to, not to break out the lore on you, but. Oh, well, yeah, no, that's yeah. true. Uh, the fresh side is infuriatingly underwhelming. I guess that <laughs> yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense. <laughs> Just like the light side. It's like, oh, it's very powerful. And you're like, yeah, you never see that part, though. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, dude, can they shoot lightning? Uh, no, they don't do that. And like, no, okay. we hover pretty, three inches above. It's pretty <laughs> rad when they shoot the lightning stuff. We also all have to get jobs as cater waiters. Yeah, uh, the yeah. whole thing. That sounds very uncool. <laughs> and, uh, oh boy. this uh, Oh, I was so happy with this episode. 19, pump up the justice. <laughs> like, I was destroyed by the amount of, like... I would like, I legit... This would be my favorite show. <laughs> we, so ever since the Council of Seven episode or Council of Six episode, mm. uh, we've sort of been like, well, we like doing these sort of, you know, curveball episodes right before the finale. Yeah. yeah. But we also put a ton of work in them and fans tend to be confused by them uh, and don't really like them that much. Uh, I disagree. Or, uh, I I honestly thought that Tiny Toots Adventures was one of the raddest episodes of the season. Personally, I love that episode, and I've probably listened to that episode at least like four or five times. <laughs> and uh, but uh, Pump of the Justice was the one where like the fan reaction sort of matched the amount of work that we put into it. Yeah, because <laughs> that that one was like that was tough because we knew the episode was going to be the trial of Bargy mm. but we weren't sure what the structure of it was going to be like for a while we were thinking like oh it'll be like a 12 angry men of discussing Bargy's innocence um, yeah but that I think the like celebrity trial landed so well yeah yes. we there's so there's like a couple like 20 minute attempts at sort of a different version of this episode and they just don't work very well and eventually we were just like we have to record something because we had all of us in town for some reason and we were like we gotta try this and so it was literally just like let's just try doing a trial and see what it sounds like and as soon as we started doing that it started to come together very quickly and I was like, oh, right. The def- like, the prosecution will call witnesses. The defense will call witnesses. Okay, great. But also, like, the showbiz, like, undermining yeah. of all of it. And the showbiz stuff happened very early. And we're like, oh, great. This is a good... If it's Hollywood court, like, great. It should work like this. And, like, and yeah. like then it sort of snapped into place. Well, it makes a lot of sense, given the setting and everything like that. So, you know. It also really was an episode that got kicked up by the unbelievably grid theme for pump of the justice by shane o'connell oh, oh yes. so good <laughs> it's amazing the whole the whole episode while we were recording it every time a witness came out we had been 
d- like just yelling out jock jams into the mic <laughs> like and we were always like Shane you'll figure out a way to do that right and he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and what he did was just create like one sort of mega jock jam that he could use for the whole episode. And I was like, that's a solid move on yeah. Shane's part. I mean, they would just keep going with the theme, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, great. Which is, but that's why that pump up the justice theme is very like nineties, like high energy yeah. sort of music. Mm. Definitely need it as a ringtone. Uh, yeah. yeah, we are, we have been like, well, okay, that's clearly one of our next. That's rain, that's rain tones. Uh, uh, Oh, I should actually recap the episode, I guess. <laughs> sure, I mean, if you got it, if you got it. <laughs> uh, Bargy is being tried in a courtroom drama with Hastui Winko, the judge. Bargy is charged with hundreds of counts of money laundering. Well, they don't. I don't know if they go over the charges. To be perfectly honest, yeah, they do. But, no, I wrote them out. Yeah. All right, money laundering, finance fraud, ruining reputations, and being a financial murderer. Which, all right. <laughs> Barge's lawyer, Quaid Blismo, amazing, by the way. Thank you, thank so you. Good. Uh, uh, at some point mentions that Sam and Wink gave their money to Barge's business agent, not her directly. Uh, and he's about to bring his defense witnesses when Nermit bursts in to get Barge. And uh, he claims that Barge's agent, Lexamar Puench, has been misrepresenting Barge and is responsible for all the fraud. Hashtag Bargy did nothing wrong. Uh, <laughs> they call on the public to vote on the verdict via text message. Which, yeah, whose great, idea was it to yeah. do the text message vote? That was beautiful. We, I think we were like, oh, that would be fun if that were possible. And then like, uh, we were, I think, doing pickups on that episode. And I was like, so should we say? And then Pleck and Alden were like, we are going. Like, we've looked into it. We are going to do the text voting. And we were all like, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I think we all thought it would be fun, but they actually did the legwork to be like, can we actually do this? And the answer was, yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you mentioned, like, oh, some people voted multiple times. And it's just like, mm. <laughs> mm. well, we did run I, a, a media blitz. And yeah, uh, there were we, a few times a few votes we were just glad that people actually did it because we were like i know this is a goofy podcast i hope people don't think it's a fake thing but we got a, at least a few thousand texts, oh no so we're like great it was made very clear this is a real number <laughs> yeah we tried to hit that nail on the head as much as we could you would have had a few hundred votes from me if i'd managed to get my phone to actually text it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we the one downside is like, well, a U.S. number is a little tricky for a podcast that has a audience uh, that is worldwide. But we were like, uh, we'll maybe tackle that next time. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> we do another vote. Okay. Uh, so, t- so twenty. The Empress Emperor strikes whack. Okay. The Okay, so the episode starts out as the trial from the previous episode is happening, but from the viewpoint of what's happening inside Bargy. Uh, Dar is in labour. AJ is trying to fix C-53 by turning him on and off again. <laughs> um, horse ha- it's a tried and true method. Oh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, horse Hat the dealer appears, who's been sent by Nermit, who then shortly turns up. Um, AJ suggests trying to fix C-53 by blowing on his cube like he does when his gun isn't working. (laughs) (laughs) Miraculously, it works. Um, I feel like that wouldn't land nearly as well if it wasn't like people growing up with like NES cartridges and stuff like that, you know? 
I I do feel like that's the genesis of that joke is that the second genesis? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, did work sometimes. Uh but yeah, certainly like that nest cartridge like Yes. Uh, or the crazy thing was that it worked sometimes. Yes. It yeah. worked enough for you to be like, well, try it. Mm. <laughs> um, it's wild that that worked at all. But You know your target audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we suspected that one would land. Yeah. The funniest part about that is that the <laughs> like AJ blows into C-53's cube with his helmet on. And oh, it's no. because <laughs> the Clints have compressed air like oh, yeah. their helmet, just so that they can blow out their birthday candles oh god so that funny Lord me. Oh, god. yeah it's like oh my god that's so precious that's that's pure winston uh just in the moment very oh. funny i was laughing so hard i was literally doubled over so that was one of the, like in the moment when we were recording that we were like what, the, what are you talking about and we're all just losing it uh okay so C-53 is revived and he can help the doula work out which shoot the baby is in. Mm-hmm. Um, the baby is delivered and Dar decides to name the baby Horse Hat, but it's just a name that uh, they loved anyway. <laughs> yeah, just a very normal run-of-the-mill kind of name. Yep. yep. Uh, I love it's, it's mentioned like, oh, finally, someone has a real actual name. <laughs> Horse Hat. Horse Hat. That is all, that's 100% Mujan. Horse Hat. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dar asks Nerva to co-parent and then the baby sneezes and Beano pops out. Mm. Also, I-, I have to say the like direct fuck you to the fans. <laughs> I actually, I I was like, these guys. <laughs> You're like, I thought it was going to be the bean. What? Why would you think that? We, oh we, boy. We took... Just know that we took so much pleasure in including that. I understand. <laughs> uh, like, why would you think a bean would kind of dart? That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so boy. It makes so much more sense this way around. <laughs> yeah, abs- yeah, this makes sense. What you were suggesting was dumb and stupid. Yeah, no, this is like the simplest way that worked, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which we were like, of course it's not, but of course it is. Okay, so back in the courtroom, the vote comes back and Bargy is innocent. Mm. Bargy's surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Bargy, based on the voting, was always going to be innocent. It was like 80% uh, innocent votes. I'll be honest, who's voting guilty? Mm. Hey, I mean, some people, you know, some people are like, they very much believe in law and order. And you can't just yeah. commit massive financial fraud and pretend you didn't know anything was happening. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, it turns out Emperor Bundeloy is in the courtroom and he uh, escorts Bargy out to the Planet Crusher Crusher. Uh, he is after the Binocron, an ancient cosmic entity, the destroyer of worlds. Cool hmm. Beovor appears through a portal, at which point Plek and Nermit get pulled through. Uh, they bump into Kitty, who... <laughs> oh, Kitty. Um, which Nermit ends up using as a mech. Uh, AJ, Dar, and Horsehat have to take out a room full of Clints, and AJ sacrifices himself to save Horsehat. Um, C-53 and Bargy find themselves on Shrimp Island. <laughs> <laughs> And C-53 manages to convince Bargy that it's worth going back to rescue after one. After it goes back to... Uh, 
C-53 convinces Bargy that it's worth going back to rescue everyone, but after hyperproton fuel has happened. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it had been a little too long since hyperproton fuel had made it a, <laughs> an appearance, so... One of my favorite yeah. narrative devices. <laughs> <laughs> Mine as well, although it's hard to maintain that level of energy. What? I can imagine. <laughs> uh, Nemet and Plek interrupt the Sparks Night ritual. An epic battle ensues, but it's interrupted when Bargy crashes through the wall of the planet Crusher Crusher. <laughs> and, uh, Bino tickles the Emperor, so he uh, lets go and jumps, drops off the walkway. But it wasn't in time. Kaj Malice completes the ritual to fuse Bino and the Emperor. But this causes the planet Crusher Crusher to implode just after the crew has managed to escape. And just after the credits, we hear a message from Hark and Sisu. So we know they're alive, but Rolfus is missing. So that's, that's uh, oof, setting yeah. up the next season. Yes, yes. Mm. Mm. Who knows what will happen in season four? Mm. Who knows? Okay, so uh, so yeah. Speaking of though, how far in advance had you decided that Bino was going to reappear in this episode? I think we knew <laughs> Bino was going to come back at, in the finale, maybe since even the beginning of season three. That, you like, kind of felt like that was being set up. Yeah, yeah, of like we we had set it up kind of a long time, but we were we didn't know whether he was going to like rejoin the cast or or something else was going to happen until sort of later on in the season. I would say. Well, that's uh, that's the season. Oh boy! Wow. Lot happened. It, it was this was a it was a busy season. I think each season of the show we get a little more ambitious with like what we can do in each episode. I mean, you listen to season one episodes and it's like we go to one place, we do one thing, we come back, and now it's sort of like we might go to multiple locations. It's like the cast will split in half to do things. It's like. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more work for us, but more specifically Shane. Mm-hmm. But I oh, also yeah. think Shane has gotten, he has sort of, you He's know. He's mastered it. like A mm. little bit, right? It's like he has sort of more and more tools at his disposal to do that crazy stuff. Mm. Mm. Shane is a blessing. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. If only we, if only we had more time and money for Shane, and he could just work on Zix full time. Mm. <laughs> Got to do a Kickstarter, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of uh, uh, general questions. Sure. So, w- what was it right at the start that made you want to play a droid? Um, I think when we were first putting the show together, we were sort of asking what sort of character everyone want to play, and. I uh, I sort of drifted to that, you know, protocol diplomat role just because that's the sort of character I tend to play in non-science fiction improv shows. <laughs> I play a lot of what they call the voice of reason type characters in an improv mm, okay. scene. Um, and some some people hate playing that kind of character and i have always felt very comfortable in that space and also like um some improvisers feel like oh i can't get laughs from that side of it whereas like i've always felt very comfortable getting laughs while playing the sensical character Mm. and so i sort of thought well then i might as well do it on (laughs) zits right (laughs) um i also uh you know winston played uh, the droid on the uh, the 
uh, crew in episode 219. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember that droid's name, but um, that he's like, after that episode was recorded, he's like, it's hard playing the droid. You're supposed to know everything. It's <laughs> <was> like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I had gotten so used to it after like tw- 40 episodes of like, yeah, that's just the expectation is that like if somebody mentions something weird, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, this is a planet where this happens. Uh, and I think that's also I'm comfortable with making up a lot of that stuff and sounding mm. authoritative about it. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so I think that's sort of why I why I tried to fill that role early on. So, so sort of related to that, what were your what were your inspirations? I mean, obviously, a lot of C fifty three comes from C three PO, but also mm. uh, Marvin from Hitchhiker's Guide ah. is a big inspiration. I think. On, like on the spectrum of uh, robots who know more than the people <laughs> that are in charge of them, C fifty three is somewhere between C three PO and Marvin. Maybe trending a little bit more towards C three PO, in that like I feel like Marvin would destroy the galaxy if given the chance, <laughs> um, and C three PO is just sort of mildly annoyed. I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, those those two are probably the strongest. Maybe also sort of like a Jeeves and Wooster kind of like. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, shout out to our upcoming UK live show. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of like just having that uh, that sort of knowledge that like I know more than you, but I'd really love for you to figure this out for yourself. <laughs> you know. I can't do everything, you know. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't be expected to solve all your problems. I'll do what I can, but yeah. I wrote you a report. If you don't read it, it's your problem. I can lead you to the water, but I cannot make you drink. So, um, Was there anything this season that you sort of hoped or expected to happen that didn't actually pan out? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, what was I hoped or expected to happen? Um... Hmm. I I would say I don't put a lot of, like I don't think a ton about like oh I really hope this happens in the season because it's like it, it really you know we're constantly asked like oh how much do you do you write in advance like how much of your planning and it's like yeah I I always say it's way less than people think because mm-hmm. so much of it we really are creating like on the day in the moment with that person and so like. Mm-hmm. I think after season one, I sort of let go of the idea of like, oh, we can really plan this show out. It's like, well, kind of we can't. Mm. It's, it's, it's really just going like... to be, it, it, we'll see what happens. I'm lucky that like a bunch of people wanted to do C-focused episodes this season. If you listen to season 201 or season two, there's not a lot of episodes that are focused around C-53. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But this season had a lot more C-53 in it because I think our guests wanted to do stuff with him. Okay. Makes sense. From from the outside looking in, it 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 feels like you guys are like you're intentionally dropping breadcrumbs. <laughs> we we do always have some sort of like ending that we have in mind, but usually that ending changes a couple times over the course of the season, oh, and we we'll sort of have to be like that's why a lot of the details are sort of left vague about those breadcrumbs. So that we okay, well we have the microchip, and then we'll decide later like what's on what's the on microchip. it. Yeah. Okay. We we do one thing we do need to know Star Wars okay. or Star Trek. 
Oh, Star Trek all the way. Yes, um, my yeah, man. Yeah, I think we we'd heard that. But <laughs> yeah, if you if you ask Alden or Winston, they're gonna they'll come hard for Star Wars. But this guy's this is a Trek guy you're talking to right now. Excellent. Uh, which I, Trek? Oh, Next Gen is my Trek. Okay, yes. that's Solid. that's what I grew up with, and like, um, that was like me, my brother, and my dad were very very into Next Generation, and it was syndicated on TV. It was every day at six p.m. I'll save over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, and but dinner in my house was at six p.m. So we were constantly trying to like watch enough of the episode where our mom would let us finish it, <laughs> and many times she did not. Uh, but we still managed to see many, many episodes of Next Generation. I was just mm. a huge I'd, fan. I wonder if this data had sort of crept into your C fifty three ether. There, I mean, absolutely, there is a bunch of data in C fifty three as well. I think, I think <laughs> the way in which he is helpful but not necessarily trying to push anyone in any particular direction is a very data thing of like well here's all the options but i'm not in charge you know yeah, yeah. makes sense yeah. i will also say that the data seems to want to be human more than c does yeah that <laughs> that is a big point of diversion between uh data and c who's like data data is sort of fascinated by humanity to the, which is weird to me because there's so many other races <laughs> uh <laughs> but like C-53 is like, yeah, you guys got a lot of problems. <laughs> like, I don't see any particular benefit to becoming human. <laughs> yeah. There's issues there. Yeah. there's. It seems like, you know, there's problems with being a droid, but you have so many more being a human. <laughs> Makes sense. When, um, Plek asks C-53 if he'd ever wanted to be biological. No. Just no. No. no just, just not. Ask. No, absolutely not. Uh, How could you even ask? <laughs> I... C fifty three at his bitterest moments are. Did you ever play the Knights of the Old Republic Star Wars games? Yeah, uh, oh, a long time ago. Yeah. Because there is a really great character in those games. His name is HK forty seven, who yeah. is an assassin droid, who is very, very disdainful of organic creatures uh, and calls them all meat bags. <laughs> yes, um, and one, and one of my favorite lines. If you sort of press him on why he's calling all organic characters meat bags. He, he has this great line and the voice actor for that character is terrific and he's like uh he's like i don't understand how you can hear yourselves think all that water sloshing around all the time and it just like made me laugh so hard but i was also like yeah sure droid is like oh these things are so wet <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. Ugh, how do you ugh. i think i think the nastiest c53 moment, moments maybe come from hk47 um, so I, we're going to do a few listener questions if, if you still got some time. Please. Okay. Um, from Ellie on the Discord, oh, are sure. there a set number of seasons planned? Ooh. Um, I don't think so. It, it really is, is dependent on, like, um, you know, if this ever this show ever, I think, becomes a burden for anybody involved, because we all sort of put in a different amount of our lives to the show. But even the the least amount is still many, many hours. <laughs> um, but I know, like Alden in particular, does does a lot of work bringing the episodes into land, as does Shane. Um, yeah. And so I think if they ever started to burn out, we would have to talk about like, well. Uh, are we going to keep going? But know that there will be a season four. And oh, good. <laughs> I think we have sort of a rough outline for a season five. Um, but we'll see. Oh, okay. Uh, we have, 
Yeah, we have another uh, question from. Uh, I was I was worried you're gonna be like three. No, <laughs> yeah, three is the number. Uh, if you're expecting any more after this, you're an idiot. Yeah, uh, come on. Uh, we did. We clearly wrapped everything up at the yeah. end of this season, so I don't understand why people would want more. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have a uh, uh, question from Twitter from uh, sure. Mrs. Norris. Uh, okay. For C fifty three, please tell us more about your previous jobs, especially when you were a boat. <laughs> uh, I feel like that is probably going to be an episode at some point, so I, I maybe won't say anything about that. Mm. But I, I, when we like originally wrote up bios for our character as sort of a way to like figure out the show, I had a really long list of things that C fifty three had done in the past. Um. And I can't remember most of them now. Uh, but I do know specifically it's like sex droid was always something I had that he had done. <laughs> I also always imagined that he had had a career as a Nortan dealer at some point. Oh, of course. Yeah. And so like, that's sort of why he knew not to get involved in that. <laughs> um, but I think I, I always like to imagine that he had a bunch of, <clears throat> very unglamorous jobs like just being like a baker or something for a long time like i just sort of like why I, not? That's, what, that's why i like seeing c at the beginning of the season at the uh on and off and on burger because it's like it's such a menial kind of thing but he's just like well welcome to off and on. you know it's just like hey it's a, you know it's it's like the the little bird in <laughs> the flintstones bills. right like it's a living <laughs> you, know? like, you gotta do it I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, uh, going to ask this one from Twitter again, it looks like. Okay. Uh, Von Ryan's Express asked, It seems like C-53 has lived a very rich existence in multiple frames over decades. Does he have a bucket list of things he has yet to accomplish or enjoy in this life? If so, what is he looking to cross off the list next? Oh, boy. Uh, well, we know from uh season one episode three that he wants to juck uh, a being made of starlight <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh, right? yep <laughs> uh which i he did in his mind but has not done in uh in reality uh although the mental experience might be enough for him who knows yeah you know um i certainly think he'd like to get back to the water on a regular basis at some point yeah um, i think Honestly, like retiring as a boat might be, uh, you know, yeah, might, it might be, something... be in his future. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, what else would C fifty three like to do? I don't know. He strikes me uh, like we haven't ever discussed on the show like what the lifespan of a droid is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At, I, I sort of imagine it's like well, they only came into existence X number of years ago, and there's probably a few that are that old. Mm. Um, but I think like their lifespans are so much longer than most other sentients that they like haven't thought long term about what they really want. Like desire is not something that is programmed into a lot of droids. And he, mm. now that he can mess with his root code, that's something he's starting to think about maybe for the first time. Yeah, he's yeah. re removed the restraining bolt in his mind. So. Yeah, exactly. Now that the the <laughs> mental restraining bolt is gone, mm. yes, exactly, mm. exactly. All right, so I think we're gonna finish off with uh, one last listener question here Hit from me. Greg on Discord. 
Saving the galaxy hasn't been paying well. How's the crew dealing with day-to-day expenses like food and gas? This is a great question. Uh, I I did like that at the beginning of the season too. We were just clearly broke, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like floating in space. It's like, all right, we have no money. Yeah. Um, I would love I for always... Plek to just be giving Zima lessons or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always imagine that like C fifty three has some side hustle that he's he's not really interested in making money but he is like doing like currency speculation or something where he's just like bringing in money and everyone's like how did we get fuel and he's like oh don't worry about it (laughs) i don't know if that's accurate but that's that's sort of what i imagine because ultimately it's like i don't know it's we're not playing the sims i don't (laughs) i'm not super i don't think it's that fascinating to learn like how characters like make money in a particular universe although if if that's what fans want greg we will get into it deep in season four we will find a way to we'll be meeting meeting exclusively with accountant characters uh with uh unemployment officers uh dependence day two dependent harder yeah yeah it's (laughs) It'll be a real departure for the show, and many people will say it's bad, but we're going to do it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's everything. So well. you can follow us on Twitter at ZixFanCast. We are on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash ZixFanCast. You can email us ZixFanCast at gmail.com. And Brandon, what is our Patreon? You know what? I feel I feel like uh, as a special uh, a special gift, uh, Jeremy. If you would like to decide what our Patreon link is uh, this week, <laughs> you don't have a pa- <laughs> no. We it, right now it's patreoncom slash friends, But we have a weird gag that's not at all effective for getting <laughs> Patreon money, where we change it essentially every episode. Oh, so, that's a uh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. So, uh, what do you think it should be this week? Uh, how about, um, uh, you can of course find the Zix Fancast Patreon at patreon.com slash best fans in the universe. Oh, yeah, it's already right. taken. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it's fine. All right. All right. Great. So that's what it is best fans in the universe i stand by it excellent thank you yes, thank uh, you oh thanks for having me it was a pleasure all right oh uh also you know af- after that you know wonderful note uh self-promotion i have a game <laughs> it's face <laughs> shift it's a sci-fi fantasy tabletop rpg and it's available at uh robots.church it's very good you should play it <laughs> Yeah, check that out as well. We need to somehow get this into the hands of Brennan Lee Mulligan, but you know, so <laughs> we'll we'll find a way. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, thank you again, and uh, I guess uh, Juck the Federated Alliance. Yeah, Juck that, Juck that and, Federated and Juck Alliance. Juck the Emperor. And Juck the Emperor, and long live the rebellion? Question. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Toot, toot, toot. Toot toot toot. Damn it, she got me. (laughs) Toot toot toot.